BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Common Sense with Dr. Ben Carson. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Common Sense, something that used to be common, but isn't anymore. And have you noticed that the government seems to be broken, that Washington's in turmoil, that, uh, you know, we don't seem to have policies that are for the people anymore, policies that are for political gain and for parties and for ideologies, And America was not supposed to be about people pushing their agendas. It was going to be a country that was of, for, and by the people. And it was supposed to be different from all the other countries. Well, today we're going to be talking to our guest, Congressman Andy Barr of Kentucky's 6th District. Congressman Barr has been serving the people of Kentucky and America faithfully since 2013. I had many pleasant uh, interactions with him when I was secretary. He was a true representative of the people. Unfortunately, uh, that does not seem to be the case with so many people these days, but Congressman Barr is a member of the House Financial Services Committee and a ranking member on the Subcommittee on National Security, International Development, and Monetary Policy. He also sits on the House Foreign Affairs Committee, the Subcommittee on Asia, the Pacific, Central Asia, and Nonproliferation, as well as the Republican Study Committee. So you can see he's not just sitting around twiddling his thumbs. (laughs) He obviously has a lot that he's going on. But uh, I'd be interested, Congressman, as as a first uh, question, you know, at, at American Cornerstone, we're working with our more perfect union to get people to understand our founding documents. We have a new program called Executive 101 that's coming out soon, teaching people how the government actually works. But uh, could you give our viewers a little insight into the work that goes on in some of these very important committees that you're on? Well, Dr. Carson, first of all, thank you for inviting me to be part of this uh, show and podcast and It's an honor to be with you because I've always looked up to you as a public servant, as a citizen leader of our country, uh, coming from the private sector and your medical career and then serving our country um, uh, as secretary of HUD. Uh, You're a real patriot, and I I appreciate the fact that you 
um, you get it. You, you have your priorities straight. You recognize that uh, our founding really matters and uh, the government is truly uh, uh, a servant of the people and not the other way around. And yes. uh, there's we need more of that thinking in our country right now when the arrogance of Washington seems that that the people should serve Washington instead of the other way around. When you when you see these proposals of growing government, eighty seven thousand new IRS agents, uh, that is that is the kind of mentality we don't need where the government thinks that the people should be serving uh, the government, not the other way around. So thanks. Exactly. Thanks for your leadership. Um, what goes on in these committees? Well, what we're supposed to be doing is is representing the people and the interests of the people and holding the government accountable. And unfortunately, in so many of these committees these days, especially the Financial Services Committee, it's about giving government bureaus and government bureaucracy and administrators, unelected, unaccountable bureaucrats, political cover and not holding them accountable for rules, regulations, red tape that's making life harder for the American people. Uh, what we hope to see in the Congress is a, 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 a Congress that's more centered around uh, the sovereign, the people, and that holds uh, government accountable. So there's a lot there in the Financial Services Committee because we have oversight over a large swaths of the economy. Uh, you know we have jurisdiction over HUD um, and housing policy. We have jurisdiction over all of the financial regulators and the Securities and Exchange Commission. And we want to make sure that the free enterprise system is operating well in the interest of investors and small businesses that need access to capital. And we want to make sure that we don't see the politicization of capital allocation. It was so important, uh, I noticed as the HUD secretary, to have individuals like yourself who are actually interested in the oversight of the government agencies and not just interested in scoring political points and attacking people who don't believe the same things that they believe. And that was something that I found sad, that there were so many people who just had agendas. And they really didn't care how the agency was being run. And that's a real problem. And, and as you probably remember, there hadn't been any audits at HUD for eight years because there were so many material defects, you couldn't do an audit. Uh, so that was one of the first things to get straightened out. We'll be back with our great friend, Andy Barr from Kentucky. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's home equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org.
And we're back with today's guest, Congressman Andy Barr. You know, the government economists and so many others seem to think that there's a natural ebb and flow to the economy, uh, that there will be times when the economy is booming and times when it is very depressed, and it's more of a natural cycle. Do you think that that's the case? Uh, you've been there for a little while, or is it policies? And uh, is COVID to blame for inflation and crime and Putin and Afghanistan and supply chain issues and the southern border? COVID explain all those things? No, it does not. It certainly does not. Policy does matter, and uh, economic cycles are not inevitable inevitable phenomena that we as policymakers cannot control. To a certain extent, there are some exogenous events that obviously impact the economy, like a pandemic or war uh, that have impact on supply and demand. But what we are experiencing today with the two consecutive quarters of negative growth with historic 40-year inflation is not just the pandemic, not just the war, in Ukraine. It has a lot to do with bad policy, bad fiscal policy and bad monetary policy. So why is it that we in this country are experiencing price instability, skyrocketing prices, Americans who can't afford to put gas in the truck or put groceries in the refrigerator or food on the table or buy a new uh, car or, or used car right now? Why, why are why are uh, prices so high and why is inflation out of control? It's because of a classic supply-demand mismatch, because you have excess demand in an economy, uh, $2 trillion, uh, now another $750 billion in spending uh, after all of the COVID money, and there was a trillion dollars still unspent COVID money uh, when they passed the American Rescue Plan and then this so-called Inflation Reduction Act, which is really the Inflation Expansion Act. So you created excess demand on the one hand with trillions and trillions of dollars of spending. And on the other hand, the government constrained the supply. They constrained the supply of labor by paying people to not work. And they constrained energy uh, when uh, President Biden declared a war on domestic energy production. Uh, fuel goes into everything. It goes into transportation costs. It goes into manufacturing. And obviously at the price of the pump and heating your home, when you constrain supply like we have, where there's no permits for any new coal, oil, natural gas, when you cancel infrastructure projects like the Keystone XL pipeline, when you hold up 4,400 permits, when you frustrate the development and construction of new refineries, all of that results in a policy where we are producing 3 million fewer barrels of petroleum in the United States versus two years ago. And it would have that impact whether there were Democrats in charge or Republicans in charge. Yeah. These, these, these issues are non-political. <laughs> it's illogical. That's right. It's basic economics. And what it goes to show, Dr. Carson, as you well know, is you cannot repeal the law of supply and demand. Uh, there are certain laws that come out of Washington, but there, there are also some basic laws and principles of economics. And supply and demand is something that so many politicians and bureaucrats in Washington do not seem to understand. When you constrain supply and you create excess demand, that pushes prices up. And, and then to add fuel to the fire, of course, there were huge monetary policy mistakes at the Federal Reserve. 
So you have these fiscal policy errors. And then on top of that, the Federal Reserve, when we said it wasn't transitory, when our constituents were feeling the pain and saying that these price hikes were persistent, Secretary Yellen and the Fed officials maintained that this was going to be transitory. It was not. And they kept interest rates too low for too long, and they continued their quantitative easing, the so-called bond buying, that flooded the economy with excess money supply. And that just made the inflation situation worse. And so now the Fed is in catch-up mode, and they're having to raise rates, not gradually, but precipitously, and that's making uh, the financial markets do what they're doing. That hurts people's 401ks, people who are saving for retirement, people who are saving for college middle-income people trying to save for college, doing the right thing, by the way, not relying on the government to bail them out with a exactly. loan forgiveness that punishes people who do the right thing. Mm-hmm. But this is why the economy is sick right now, a combination of bad fiscal policy and bad monetary policy. And of course, it all has a, a domino effect because you know what we did with our energy policies gave Putin the energy keys. He, he would not have gone to Ukraine had we not given him the energy keys. And then our various responses have, I think, emboldened others. There's no telling what China will do with Taiwan now. And, uh, you know, it's an interesting phenomenon. But if you look back over history, before the United States became the dominant power, there were all these despotic leaders trampling on anybody who was weaker than them. And uh, that abated to a significant degree as our power and influence increased. Now, as our power and influence is on the wane, those despots are starting to pop up again. And it really shows the importance, I think, of a strong United States of America in the world. But, uh, you know, what, what, what is your take on what's going on in the South Pacific with Taiwan and China. Well, you made a good point about energy, and and energy weakness invites aggression, uh, whether it's uh, Putin in Ukraine or uh, what's happening in Beijing right now and the aggression that uh, the Chinese Communist Party is is showing to uh, or directing towards uh, Taiwan. This disastrous retreat from Afghanistan signaled to the world and to the despots of the world, as you say, a weakness and an unwillingness to stand by our allies. Uh, our commander-in-chief left over a 1,000 American citizens behind enemy lines, um, let alone the tens of thousands of Afghans who worked side-by-side side with our military. And the fact that this administration was so uh, unprepared to help our allies, I think, sends a signal of weakness and uh, I think emboldens our adversaries uh, like uh, the Chinese Communist Party, like Putin. Energy is very important from a geopolitical standpoint. We went from a position of energy dominance to energy desperate in just a year and a half. And as you said, that really uh, emboldened Putin. It's actually financing uh, this war in Ukraine uh, because when uh, energy prices go up because of constrained supply, that helps uh, the Russian economy. That helps prop up Putin. That helps finance their aggression. What does that mean for Taiwan? What does that mean in China? Well, Xi Jinping is watching uh, how the West responds uh, to uh, Putin's aggression in Ukraine. And I think, um, you know, consistent with Sun Tzu, uh, they're, they're carefully calculating how the West has responded in the way of sanctions. 
and and they're learning. They're learning how the United States and NATO has responded with sanctions against Russia. And China is, I think, trying to develop a separate financial system that would enable them, if they made a move on Taiwan, to evade international sanctions. So we need to be very prepared for that. And weakness, weakness, weakness invites aggression. And so we need to reestablish deterrence uh, by becoming more energy independent, by, of course, uh, military deterrence, by peace through strength, a strong uh, investment in our in our military to deter aggression. And then on Taiwan specifically, we need to further integrate uh, our economies with Taiwan. We need a free trade agreement with Taiwan. We need to get those foreign military sales to Taiwan, which they've asked for, they've purchased, but we haven't delivered. Well, you put it so crisply and uh, easy for people to understand. I just hope people are listening to logic and common sense, what a difference it makes. And we'll be back in one minute with our great friend and representative, Andy Barr from Kentucky. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. And we're back with Common Sense, and uh, today's guest, Congressman Andy Barr. You know, Congressman, I thought it was interesting recently to hear that California has decided that by the year 2035, no cars operated in a traditional way with traditional energy and fossil fuels will be allowed to be sold. And I understand the whole concept of green energy, renewable energy. I, I actually agree with it. But are there logical ways to approach that? Yes, and I love the fact that this program is, is about common sense because there's su such a lack of common sense when you talk about energy and, and environmental stewardship and climate. Republicans uh, care as much or more about climate and the environment as Democrats. It's not a political issue. We all live on this planet. We all want a, a, a healthy environment for our kids and for our grandkids. Uh, we have a moral obligation to pass that on. The question is, what's the right way to achieve that goal? I think many of the on the left in California, for example, believe that if we just have more pages in the regulation books, if we have more laws, uh, that somehow that's going to change the weather. I've never believed that central planning is the solution to anything. I've never believed that adding a thousand pages to the Federal Register will do anything to change the weather. What will help with combating climate change is science, technology, in innovation, and free enterprise. And the sad irony of the Biden administration's war on energy, in my view, is that it's very counterproductive. Most of the polluters and pollution um, and carbon emissions are happening in China, India, and lesser developed countries. We have reduced emissions in the United States mainly through innovation and innovation in fossil energy. We 
we, we're making great strides towards harnessing the carbon cycle, uh, carbon sequestration, and other innovations. And some of the best and brightest scientists and innovators in the world are actually working in U.S. energy companies. And so when I talked about this war on energy, killing infrastructure, pipelines, refineries, holding up permits, yes, that's part of their war on energy. But ground zero in uh, the Biden administration's war on American energy is weaponizing our financial regulators to redirect capital and financing away from American energy companies. Now, when you think about common sense, Dr. Carson, does it make common sense to deprive and starve the most innovative scientists in the world on energy and the environment of the capital that they need to innovate? To me, we need more financing, not less financing of U.S. energy companies so that they can make the tradition, the, the transition. Exactly. Um, and and uh, if you starve uh, the best and brightest and the scientists of the capital that they need, they will not be able to make the innovations, the transition to renewable energy, and therefore export it to the real uh, the real polluters. Exactly. I, I always say, use what you have to get what you want. Don't destroy what you have and then wish for what you want. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good point. That, that seems to be what's happening. Another question I've wondered about, and I'm sure a lot of people wonder about, we have many people who go into government and they seem like really good and decent people. And then something happens to them over the years. What exactly is it in Washington that changes people? Well, of course, people get full of themselves, and it's it's sometimes a rude awakening when they when they lose their elections. And we saw some interesting primary elections recently, and I think you had some incumbents lose their seats in primaries. They lose their seats in general elections, and sometimes um, they're surprised. I think they're surprised because they lost touch with the people they represent. You know, one thing I think politicians in Washington or any uh, leaders have to always remember in a democracy is, as what we were talking about at the top of the show, these seats do not belong to politicians. They belong to the American people. Um, I always surprise um, young people in my district, school children, for example, when I tell them, you know, you're my boss and their eyes get really big and they, but I think, you know, what are we teaching our kids in civics classes when they don't know that? Our constitution was set up based on the consent of the governed. We are supposed to be the servants of the people. And I think people lose elections and they become out of touch when they forget that they work for the people. And when they have arrogance that they know best, that's when the American people step up and make a change. And they should. And that's why our constitution is so valuable, because our founders understood that the natural tendency of government is to grow and to dominate. That's what they do. It's not because they're bad people. It's just a natural nature function. And, you know, unless you control it, uh, you will not be able to keep what we have. And that's that's why Benjamin Franklin, after the Constitution was finished in, in 1787, came out of the hall and was asked the question, what do we have, sir, a monarchy or a republic? And he said, a republic, if we can keep it. Yes, knowing how important it was that we adhere to the Constitution. Franklin was a wise man, and so was James Madison. And uh, I often get the question from constituents 
uh, oh, isn't it uh, isn't it inconvenient that you have to run every two years? Shouldn't it be four years or six years like senators? And I actually say, no, I think um, if you've got a problem with that, take it up with James Madison. This is exactly what James Madison wanted. He wanted members of the House of Representatives to be accountable, closely accountable uh, to the American people and uh, subject to elections every two years precisely for that reason, because the people are in charge. And if uh, their representatives are not representing their views, they have a right every two years uh, to make a change. And I think that's a very healthy thing for our democracy to have that level of accountability to the sovereign, to the people. Well, we want to thank Congressman Barr for uh, joining us today and also for his willingness to jump into the fray and represent the people of Kentucky so well. And uh, we'll be back in a moment with our prescription and to answer a couple of your questions. Uh, once again, you know, uh, we try to answer some of your uh, many questions from time to time. And uh, here we have uh, a question from Benjamin Deere. He writes, Dear Dr. Carson, my wife and I have three children and have chosen to homeschool. The oldest starts kindergarten this year. Do you have any advice for us and parents in similar situations? Well, I'll tell you, education is the key to great success in our society. It doesn't matter what socioeconomic status you came from. If you get a good education, you write your own ticket. So it is vital, and it is something that has been noted about our country for a long time until recently. And now we have a situation where you see those man-on-the-street interviews, and they ask people simple questions. You know, what is Independence Day? What does that represent? Who fought in the Civil War? They have no idea. They don't know who the vice president is. They don't know how many justices there are on the Supreme Court. I mean, it's unbelievable. And uh, you want to make sure that your children are well-educated. So that means you may have to do some of it yourself. And some people are fortunate enough to be in the school systems that are very excellent. Others are not. I was not in an excellent school system growing up in inner city Detroit, but my mother motivated us to educate ourselves. And uh, so I took advantage of the universities that were nearby when I was still in high school. I went to art galleries. I did all kinds of things to educate myself. And uh, it paid off uh, rather handsomely in, in many ways, in, including you know, I became interested in classical music, and uh, my wife is a classical violinist. We would have never gotten together had I not been interested in music. So, you know, there are a lot of great things that come from getting a good education. At American Cornerstone, uh, we have a Little Patriots program, and I would uh, encourage you to, to go to littlepatriotslearning.com and look at our K-5 through educational program. It has wonderful lessons uh, we recently added uh, another component that has a beautiful cartoon carries called Star 
Spangled Adventures, and it uh, takes s separate topics. And uh, through wonderful animation, we've got some of the top animators from Disney and Pixar and uh, ABC Kids, who were non-woke uh, people, by the way, uh, to put these things together. They're very entertaining, but extremely educational. So get involved with uh, those kinds of programs. It's free of charge, by the way, because of our wonderful supporters and the books that we write uh, associated with the program. All the proceeds go back to the program. So those are the kinds of things that I would be thinking about to make sure that your children are fortified and ready to go. And uh, we also have a question here from Don and Henrietta Bascom. They write, Dr. Carson, my wife and I are doing what we can. How can we promote and encourage personal responsibility versus government dependence? Many of the crimes, addictions, abuses, etc., in our society originate from broken families and fatherless homes. What can we do as a nation to strengthen marriages so that our kids have a committed dad and mom to each other and to the kids to raise the next generation to be hardworking, responsible citizens who want to serve others? Well, I don't think that that's a quick answer. <laughs> that's a book. <laughs> There's so many things that that we need to be doing that we've forgotten about. But uh, those are some of the real principles behind American Cornerstone Institute. Faith, liberty, community, and life. And beginning to teach those principles from early on and to honor that, to respect each other. One of the reasons that we have all these people running around with high-power weapons murdering other people is because they don't respect other people's lives. They don't respect other people's opinions. Uh, we've thrown away our faith, which teaches us to love your neighbor, not to hate your neighbor, not to cancel your neighbor. We are teaching the wrong things. And by teaching hatred and division and lack of respect, what else would you expect other than what we see going on right now? I don't think it's too late, but we need to understand that the core of our problems are not things like guns and other things that we blame. It's people, and it's how they are trained, how they are brought up, how their hearts are conditioned. That's what we need to be thinking about. And for your prescription this week, I want you to think about the floods, the horrible things that, that happened in Kentucky. Congressman Barr and others have been working so hard to try to alleviate some of those problems uh, in the great Commonwealth of Kentucky. And uh, I urge you to pray for the people whose lives have been impacted by those kinds of disasters. And uh, you might want to uh, visit one of the relief centers if you're in the area, or uh, there are uh, centers, relief centers, that can be supported. I'm sure they would be happy to receive a donation and some attention. And uh, it really just goes back to, do we care about each other? You know, we did okay in this country before the government decided that they wanted to control everything. It's really about us and our relationships with each other. And if we make sure that those are solid, 
the rest of things will take care of themselves. So please subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts to our podcast, Common Sense with Dr. Ben Carson, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you go to get your podcast. And remember to rate us and review us. And if you're enjoying it, please tell others about it so that influence can grow and that more people can have common sense. Thanks. And remember, faith, liberty, community, and life. See you next week.